Bibles tonight, if you will, please, and turn to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 4, and I want to talk to you about a very, very unique subject tonight. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 4 in your Bibles, as I talk to you about this subject, God's reveal day. God's reveal day. And so uh, we will not be long at all tonight, but I want you to really hear me out tonight because this is so important. And, and uh, this morning was a little different. I didn't give you a point one, point two this morning. We just sort of hammered one nail uh, this morning. Tonight's really not what I would call a sermon outline either. I just want to, but I want to challenge you with, with a uh, sort of a Bible study tonight, if I could. First Corinthians chapter 4 in your Bibles, if you're able to stand, why don't we stand tonight out of respect for the reading of God's Word. We're going to read First Corinthians chapter 4. And we'll read the first five verses, and then after that, we'll have a prayer, and we'll jump right into, uh, into this Bible study tonight. 1 Corinthians 4 and verse number 1, the Bible says, Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. And I'm going to tell you something, church. We could stop right there and just preach for a little while. Uh, and just in case you, you don't quite grasp that, you know what the Bible's telling us there? God doesn't require you to be a super Christian. It doesn't require great intellect. It's not that you have to be some kind of a special, special person in the church, but the Bible says this, I just want you to be faithful. Be faithful. And everybody can be faithful. And so moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful but with me, Paul said, it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of man's judgment. Yea, he said, I judge not mine own self. For I know nothing by myself, yet am I not hereby justified, but he that judgeth me is the Lord. And then in verse number five, and that's our text. The apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, said it like this, therefore, Judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the heart. And then shall every man have praise of God. Mm. <laughs> I read that the other day and I was like, whoa, wow, what a verse. And so I want to talk to you about that for a few moments tonight, God's reveal day. And so you may be seated this, uh, this tonight, and let me go to the Lord, and, and let's ask the Lord to help us, and we'll jump right into this very quickly tonight. Father, thank you for being so good to us. It's been a wonderful day at Calvary. Father, anytime we have people saved and anytime we have decisions made, that's a wonderful day. And so, Lord, thank you for bringing the increase. Thank you for doing what only you can. And Lord, I pray tonight now that once again, you would come and meet with us. Lord, the early church met on Sunday night. In fact, they met more than Sunday night. Lord, we've come here tonight not by accident or coincidence. Lord, we've come here tonight, Lord, on purpose because we, we, we need to receive more truth from your precious book. And we know that the Lord said that it's the truth that will set us free, make us free. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd help us as I, try to, as I try to give your people some truth tonight. 
I pray it would come alive in our hearts and minds. And Father, we pray for the fullness and the power of the Holy Spirit. Bless our dear people. Thank you for their faithfulness and their attendance here tonight. Bless those that are watching by way of the live stream. Heavenly Father, if it be your will, reach out on that live stream like you did this morning, but maybe even in a greater way. And I pray all that's done would glorify and honor the name that is above every name, the Lord Jesus Christ. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, we pray and uh, let all the church say amen, amen. Reveal, God's reveal day. Some of you recognize this uh, picture that I put on there. You've seen some things like that, and we'll allude to that here in just a moment. The word reveal has become a, a popular word in this, in this day and time. People love to, to reveal special events in their life. And you know what I'm talking about. There are uh, what is very popular known, known as gender reveal parties. Now, when we were growing up or, and when we were married, we, we didn't have those. We didn't know what a gender reveal party was. By the way, I'm not against that. I, I think it's great. I, I, I love it. But gender reveal parties are Man, big. It's almost every week you see one on Facebook now where there's uh, a set of new parents and they are revealing what they're getting ready to have, whether it's a boy or a girl or a pony or, I mean, or you know, whatever, whatever the case may be. And uh, gender reveal parties. Then there's a, then there's a, a name reveal party uh, where they finally pick out a name and they're going to reveal the name uh, to the family uh, and I love this. They love to do these reveal events in unique ways, as you can see on the screen. You know, they'll use blue or pink balloons. Uh, sometimes they'll use a, uh, an icing-covered cake. Uh, maybe it's white on the outside, and, and they don't cut it into it until all the family uh, comes around, and they finally cut into the cake. And inside the cake is either blue, representing a boy, or pink, representing a girl. Sometimes it's blue or pink smoke, like you can see uh, on the screen, or sometimes blue or, or pink confetti. It's a reveal, reveal days. And so, again, just trying to give you that, just to get your mind in that gear tonight concerning this thing of revealing things. But what we read about in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 5 is what I believe is going to be the reveal event of all times. You talk about a reveal party. You talk about a reveal day. <laughs> what we read tonight, there's not gonna be anything like it. Now, I'm gonna be honest with you. When you read 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 5, it almost sounds like God is gonna reveal everything that we've ever done at the end of time. That he's gonna bear every mistake, every sin, Every wrong word that you've ever said, every wrong thought that we've ever had, it almost sounds like that God is going to, to bring all those things at the, at the end of the time when the Lord comes, and he's going to bring all those mistakes and all those sins and all those transgressions into the light for everybody to see. And boy, that'd be pretty scary, wouldn't it? And... Uh, if nobody else can say amen, I can say amen right there. Be a scary event to think that the Lord is going to broadcast our sins on some kind of a big screen or, you know, somehow God's going to reveal all those things. Look, listen to what he said. Look at verse 5 again. He says, therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes 
who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the heart. And then shall every man have praise of God. Now, I'm not preaching on this tonight, but I do believe it's important for me to point something out. And that's this, that God can make our sin public. If we decide not to, to get right with God, if God comes, the Spirit of God comes, and he convicts us about sin, boy, how many are glad for 1 John 1 done tonight? If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And boy, sometimes the Lord will come and the Lord will convict us and the Lord will convict me about sin, about saying something wrong, doing something wrong, thinking something wrong, acting in a wrong way. And boy, thank God I have that promise in 1 John 1, 9. And I can go to the Lord and I can, I can confess that sin. But I do want you to understand that if the Spirit of God convicts you about a wrong in your life and you refuse to get it right, God can take a sin that is very private and he can make it very public. Most of you remember the story back in 2 Samuel chapter 11 where the Bible says that David fell into gross and moral sin. And you know the story. David tried to cover that sin and cover that sin and cover that sin. And this is what God said to King David in 2 Samuel chapter 12 and verse number 12. He said to David, for thou didst it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the sun. And so God can make our sin public if we don't get right with the Lord. But I want to tell you tonight very quickly, I want to tell you some things that 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 5 teaches about God's reveal day. And I believe this will be a great blessing to you tonight. How about this? Let me, let me put a couple of these things on the screen tonight. How about this? Number one, the hidden things of darkness could not be our sins. <laughs> That's a blessing. And I think you'll get this in just a moment. The hidden things of darkness could not be our sins. Now again, look at verse number five again. God says, therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the heart and then shall every man have praise to God. And somebody says, pastor, does that mean that one of these days in the end times when the Lord comes that the Lord's gonna take all of our sin and all of our wrong and every evil thought I've had and every evil act that I've committed and God is gonna broadcast all those things before uh, others that others may see. And I want to say hallelujah. That is not what the Bible is teaching right there. The hidden things of darkness could not be our sins. Now you say, Pastor, how can you be so sure about that? And by the way, I am 100% sure about that, that what he's talking about is not our sins. Let me tell you why. First of all, is because our sin was judged in Christ. Our sin was judged in Christ. Now, Somebody says, Pastor, I am really concerned about my sin being exposed to everybody. Uh, and, and I want to tell you something. Your sin was exposed. Just not in you. If you're here tonight and you're born again, your sin was exposed, but your sin was exposed in the precious and wonderful body of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. And church, may I say this tonight? It's exactly why the cross was so brutal and so absolutely despicable. And it really was. We get that word excruciating. That word excruciating comes from the word crucifixion. 
And the death of Jesus Christ was absolutely excruciating. It was, it was horrible in every single way. It was shameful in every single way. But understand something, that that happened because our sins were being judged in the blessed Son of God. Romans 5 verse 9 says it like this, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. And so we're saved from that wrath. We're saved from that, that uh, embarrassing exposure because of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to take your Bibles tonight, if you will. Hold your place at 1 Corinthians 4. We may, may go back there. But I want you to turn to the book of Isaiah tonight. The, God, the uh, prophet Isaiah, back in your Old Testament, Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53, and look, if you will, at verse number 4. And I want to show you just how bad the cross was. I mean, listen, uh, you, as bad as you can imagine the cross, you can magnify it by a hundred. That's how bad the cross was. And the prophet Isaiah told about the death of Jesus. And listen to what he says in Isaiah 53 and verse number four. The prophet said this, surely he, the Lord, he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows the Bible says, yet we did esteem him. Notice these words, stricken, smitten of God, afflicted. Verse five, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed. Skip down, same chapter. Skip down to verse number 10. The Bible says about this same crucifixion, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Look at verse 11. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. For by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Church, this is all I'm saying tonight. Do you know the reason that the cross of Calvary was so brutal? I mean, it was so brutal. In fact, did you know that Isaiah the prophet said this about the Lord? He he said that his visage was so marred more than any man that probably by, by, the, by the time that Jesus got to the cross, he was so marred, he was so messed up, he had been so beaten, his beard had been plucked out, a crown of thorns had been beaten down into his skull, he had been scourged by a cat of nine tails, he was bleeding profusely. I'm telling you, it was despicable, it was excruciating. Why? Can I tell you why the cross was so bad? Because our sins were being judged in Jesus. So somebody says, Pastor, I'm worried about one of these days the Lord is gonna, man, he's gonna take a, uh, some kind of divine projector and projector screen and, and when I stand before the Lord, the Lord is gonna broadcast all of my sins uh, before the world. Well, if you're here tonight and you're born again, I can guarantee you that's not gonna happen because your sin was judged in Christ. But I'll tell you something, something else, tell you some other good news. Not only was our sin judged in Christ, boy, I got better news than that. Our sin was removed by Christ. Somebody says, Pastor, are you, are, you, are you afraid that one of these days at the judgment seat of Christ that God is going to 
beam on the screen or God is going to show all these people that you pastored. He's going to show them every evil thought you ever had and, and uh, uh, every failure that you ever had. And, and those times when you slipped up and messed up and fell and stumbled. And Preacher, are you afraid that God is going to broadcast all those sins that you committed uh, before your people that you pastored for 30 years? Uh, I, and although I would not want that to happen, I'm glad I can come to you tonight and based upon the authority of God's word, I can tell you there is not even a possibility that that's going to happen. You say, well, pastor, how can you be so sure? My sins are gone. <laughs> My sins are gone. I mean, I, I don't know how else to tell you that. My sins are gone. That day when I came to Christ in faith and God drew me to himself and I was under conviction of the Holy Spirit and I asked the Lord to come into my life and save me and pay for my sins. I'm telling you, thank God, gone, gone, gone. All my sins are gone. I don't have to worry about those sins anymore. In fact, listen to what the psalmist said in Psalm 103. In verse number 10, he said this, he hath not dealt with us after our sins nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. Listen to verse 12. The psalmist said, as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. And the prophet Micah said in Micah chapter seven and verse number 19, he will turn again. He will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities and thou wilt cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. Well, thank God when I got born, you say, pastor, calm down. I can't calm down when you begin to think about this. Listen, thank God when I got born again, he took my sins and my sinfulness and my transgression and he cast them in the depths of the sea and it was Corey Tin Boom who said when he did that he posted a sign there that says no fishing allowed oh yes and so the hidden things of darkness could not be our sin let me tell you something else I'm going to show you tonight number two is this about God, God's revealed day number two it reveals this that Christ is our ultimate judge now look back at your, your scripture again, 1 Corinthians 4. If you turned away from there, turn back over there, if you will, 1 Corinthians 4. And I want you to back up and look at verse number 3. 1 Corinthians 4 and verse number 3. And the Bible says, but Paul says, but with me it's a very small thing. Now you've got to love this terminology here. Paul says, but with me it's a very small thing that I should be judged of you. Or of man's judgment. Paul went on to say, yea, I judge not mine own self. He said, for I know nothing by myself, yet am I not hereby justified. Look what he says here, church. But he that judgeth me is the Lord. And so one of the other things we learn about this day is that God is our ultimate judge. Now, church, let me help you with something tonight. Don't be overly concerned with the judgment of people. And people are very judgmental nowadays. It's one of the reasons so many people come to our church. Because they found a church where everybody's welcome. And everybody's not waiting for you to come in so we can put you under a microscope and find out what all your sins are. Well, number one, we don't, know, don't want to know what your sins are. And we don't want to focus in on your imperfections. If we focus in on yours, you'll have to focus in on ours. But, but, but notice this. 
Don't be overly concerned with the judgment of people. Did you know there's, there's really no use in getting upset when people judge you poorly? I'm talking about somebody criticizes you and you just get so angry. Somebody in the church says you know, something, and I'm not saying they should. I'm not saying that's right, but I'm just saying that somebody in the church says a little something about you and you just get so angry and you say, that's it, we're quitting. Can I just remind you of something? They're not your judge. You don't have to worry about them. For that matter, you don't have to worry about me. Did you know you're not going to stand before me one of these days? You will stand before him. I'm not your chief shepherd. I'm just your under shepherd. But I'm just telling you, when folks criticize you and folks gossip about you, uh, listen, don't retaliate. You don't have to respond. You say, well, you know, pastor, they did this, and so I'm going to do this, and I'm going to get back at them. Listen, you don't have to do that. God is well able to take care of them and he doesn't need you to respond and he doesn't need you to lash out and he doesn't need you uh, to retaliate. I just want to tell you something that, listen, uh, people are not your judge. God Almighty is your judge. And so there's no use in getting too upset when people judge you poorly. But I'm going to tell you something else. There's no use in you getting too prideful when people judge you positively. You know why? They're not your judge. You say, Pastor, I've really made it now. I've really made it. Well, why have you made it? Well, Brother So-and-so in the church has approved of me. Well, I hate to tell you all this. Brother So-and-so is not your judge. And if you're coming to Calvary Baptist Church to please Brother So-and-so or Sister So-and-so or Pastor So-and-so, let me tell you something. You've missed the boat because we're not your judge. And so, listen, if people judge you positively, uh, listen, church, uh, seriously, uh, don't, don't make the mistake of putting too much in people's praise. And so, if people come out on Sunday morning and they say, Pastor, that was the worst message I've ever heard in my life. And by the way, they'll hardly ever do that, uh, although you don't have to because I already know it is sometimes when I leave. Uh, but I'm going to tell you something. If they come out and they say, you know, preacher, I didn't appreciate your message. I didn't like that message. You know what? I don't have to worry about that. Amen. You know why? They're not my judge. Right. But I'll tell you something else. If they come out and they say, Pastor, I'm telling you, that's the greatest message I've ever heard. Man, Adrian Rogers couldn't have preached it better. Billy Graham couldn't have preached it better. I'm telling you, you preach today with more power than Billy Graham. I'm telling you, I've never heard anything like that. Let me tell you something, church. I have to be very, very careful about listening to that. You know why? They're not my judge. He's my judge. And so understand tonight that the hidden things of darkness could not be our sin. And understand tonight that Christ is our ultimate judge. We're done tonight. I told you we're going to be brief tonight. Number three, I want you to understand this. It's the counsels of the heart that will be revealed. Now, God's revealed day. Pastor, what's God going to reveal on this day? Well, he tells us right here. Look back at verse number, verse number five again. 1 Corinthians 4, verse number five. Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, here it is, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts. And then shall every man have praise of God. You say, preacher, what does that mean? What's going to be revealed is this, why we did what we did for Christ Jesus. That's what's going to be revealed. Or maybe why we didn't do what we could have done. 
God is going to reveal what's really in our heart. Why did we do it? Why did we come to church? Why did we sing in the choir? Why did we serve in a ministry? Why did we play an instrument? Why did we teach a Sunday school class? Why did we give in the offering as the ushers were coming around? Why did we give in that offering? Listen, there is coming a day when the counsels of the heart will be revealed. Now, you say, but but, but preacher, how's that going to be? Listen, it's no problem for God because our Bible tells us that God sees the heart. 1 Samuel 16, 7. But the Lord said unto Samuel, look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. And so God is going to reveal the counsels of the heart. Now, is that important? Well, it's very important. And let me tell you one of the reasons. A lot of people are really good at being fake Christians. And portraying a fake Christianity. I don't know this happens. I hope it, hope it never happens. But don't you know every once in a while there are people who give in the offering simply because somebody else gave. And they're thinking, well, I don't want, you know, I don't want Brother So-and-so to think bad of me if I don't give. And I'm not even saying maybe that's not sin. I don't know, but I'm just saying that that's not the best reason to give. And one of these days when we get in heaven, those motives are going to be revealed. And those folks who are just living a fake, fake, empty Christianity, and they sort of look the part, and they've got their uh, T's crossed and their I's dotted, and and, uh, if you were to look at them, you'd say, well, you know what, they're probably saved. I mean, they're they're probably a Christian, and yet it's just a a facade is all it is. It's just a false wall that's been put up. I'm telling you, there is coming a day when God is going to reveal the counsels of the heart, and we will know why people did what they did. I know that you love interesting stories, and I do. I love to, as I study, I love to find interesting stories, and I love to come across things I didn't know. And I know we have some history buffs out here tonight, and I love history. And I read, listen, I read a story this week, and I said this a few weeks ago, I don't want to just give you something that's just, (laughs) that's not true. And so sometimes I read this stuff, and I think, man, I got to fact check that, make sure that's right before I give it to the congregation. And so sure enough, I went and I started doing some back study and making sure that this was the make make sure that this was on the up and up. Did you know for a period of 15 years, Frank and Jesse James committed 26 holdups? They made off with approximately 200 mil, 200, $200,000, which back in that day and time in today's standard, would be equal to $3 million that they stole during their, their reign. They killed at least 17 men. And Jesse James, many of those 17 men, Jesse James killed himself. He was, he, and he really was. He was one of the most notorious outlaws that's ever really been known uh, in America and, and, and definitely out west and, and most, even young people, if you were to say Jesse James, most people would hear that name and think, oh yeah, I've heard of him, read about him. Let me tell you something that maybe you never heard about. 
Although they had 26 holdups, they stole $200,000, killed at least 17 men. Frank and Jesse James were very devout churchgoers. In fact, the story goes that shortly after Jesse James had killed one man in a bank robbery, James went on to be baptized in the Kearney Baptist Church in Kearney, Missouri. Folks, I'm telling you, I looked this up. I looked up Kearney Baptist Church. It's changed the first Baptist Church in Missouri now. And uh, you, you can visit the actual grave there where Jesse James is, uh, is buried. But this is as true as I can tell it. They said he went on to kill another man, a bank cashier. And not long after killing this bank cashier, he joined the church choir and went on to teach hymn singing. Well, how'd you like to have a, a choir leader in Jesse James? How about that? Amen. Amen, Brother Brandon. <laughs> One article I read said it like this. It's not clear if the James boys, listen to this church. It's not clear if the James boys would listen intently to fire and brimstone on Sunday shouting amen and then go out and rob a train on Monday shouting reach for the sky. But tradition does say an adult Jesse sang in the choir and some say Frank Jesse taught Sunday school. And you say, what's your point, preacher? Fake. Fake. Nothing but a facade. Those men were ruthless, murderers, despicable. And, that, and yet they would walk into God's house like they had it all together. And like they were some of the greatest Christians in the world. And the church, that's all I'm saying. Did you know there is coming a day when all the walls are going to be pulled down? And the facades are going away. And it will be revealed why we did what we did. And I'll tell you something else. It's going to be revealed those who are saved and those who are lost. And they'll be separated. One on one hand and one on the other hand. There's coming a revealed day. Now, we're done, but I want to give you one last verse tonight. You say, Pastor, what's the proper motivation for serving the Lord Jesus Christ? Can I show it to you? Would you turn over to 2 Corinthians? If you're in 1 Corinthians, just turn right and go just a few pages. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and look at verse number 14. Pastor, why should I serve the Lord? Why should I give in the offering? Why should I sing in the choir? Why should I serve the Lord? Look what it says. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 14. The Bible says, for the love of Christ. Paul said, for the love of Christ constraineth us. It motivates us. It, it catapults us. That's what Paul is saying. For the love of Christ constraineth us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Listen, church, you know what that's saying? You shouldn't show up to the church because you're worried about the pastor, what the pastor's gonna say. You wanna show up to the church because you love Jesus that much. You ought not read your Bible because you're afraid of what somebody might think. You ought not sing in the choir because you're afraid of how somebody may judge you. They're not your judge. God is your judge. The reason that we ought to get involved and the reason that we ought to live the Christian life is because we have a Savior that bled and suffered and died and paid the penalty for our hell. And that's why we ought to serve the King of Kings.
and the Lord of lords. And by the way, I'm going to be honest with you. If that right there is your motive, I don't have to worry about you. I don't have to worry about you. And I won't have to beg and borrow and steal and prime and pump, you know, to try to get you to serve the Lord and come to service and do your ministry. I won't have to worry about that. You know why? Because I'm not your motivation. Jesus is your motivation. But I can tell you this, a reveal day is coming. Can I ask you this? You can close your Bibles, we're done. Can I ask you this? If that reveal day took place tonight, what would it reveal? If that reveal, if God's reveal day started tonight, would it reveal that you're in the faith or you're out of the faith? Would it reveal that you are born again or would it reveal that you are lost as a goose? Would it reveal that you know that you know that you know that you're saved and going to heaven or would it reveal that you have no assurance of where you're going to spend eternity? And if that's here tonight, if you're here tonight and you say, Pastor, I don't have a clue where I'd go if I died tonight, let me tell you what y'all to do. You ought to come to Christ tonight. And you ought to get saved tonight. And so would you bow your heads with me all over the house tonight? Father, thank you for this time we've had together. And Lord, thank you for teaching us from a very important scripture tonight. Lord, thank you for enlightening us a little bit about your revealed day. What's going to be revealed. What's not going to be revealed. Father, I pray tonight that you'd work in hearts. Lord, you know who is here tonight, who is saved. You know who is born again on their way to heaven. And Lord, you also know those that are here tonight who maybe don't really know. They're not sure about heaven, not sure about their salvation. Lord, if that be the case, I pray tonight would be the night that they would come and get it settled once and for all. Father, work in hearts. God, work in hearts tonight. Work in hearts tonight, please. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. I'm gonna ask our baptistry workers to head to their stations if they would. And that if you're gonna get baptized tonight, you can also make your way to, to the dressing rooms. Oh, listen, I wanna ask a question now. If God's reveal day was today, what would it reveal? With every head bowed and right close tonight, how many are here this evening would say, Pastor, if I died tonight, I know beyond a shadow of any doubt, Pastor, I know, I know that I am saved and going to heaven when I die now without anybody looking. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up as a testimony? I know that I'm saved. Thank you. You can lower your hands. Can I ask a second question? I want you to be dead honest with me tonight. How many are here tonight would say, Pastor, in all honesty, I'm not really sure. If I were to die tonight, I'm not sure where I'd spend eternity. Preacher, I hope to think that I would open my eyes in heaven, but I am not really sure. I am just not sure. And if that's you tonight, with every head bowed and every eye closed, would you just do this? Would you very quietly just slip your hand up right now and let me say a prayer for you? Can I do that? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to come back and single you out. I just want to pray for you. How many here tonight? And you'd say, Pastor, if I died tonight, I'm not sure of heaven. 
would you pray for me? And right now, you'd slip your hand up. Is there one anywhere you'd be honest? Can I pray for you? Can I pray for you tonight? In just a moment, we're going to stand. We're going to have what we call an invitation here at Calvary. If you're here tonight and there's any decision that you need to make or God has spoken to your heart, let me tell you what God does sometimes. Sometimes God will speak to somebody's heart about something that the pastor really didn't even preach on. And so if you're here tonight and God spoke to your heart about something, about a decision that you need to make, then maybe tonight you ought to come. I didn't preach on this tonight, really, but you're here tonight. And you say, Pastor, I am saved, but I've got some things in my life shouldn't be there. I know they shouldn't be there. And while you're preaching tonight, the Holy Spirit revealed it to me. They shouldn't be in my life. Why don't you do this? Why don't you just slip out to this altar tonight? And claim 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you're here tonight and you say, Pastor, I've been saved, but I've never made it public. I want you to come tonight. Preacher, I have been saved, but I need to be baptized. I want you to come tonight. If you're here tonight, you say, uh, Brother Steve, we're not the member of a good Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church. And we feel it the will of God that God is joining our heart with this church with this local body, if that's you, we're going to give you an opportunity to come, all right? I'm going to ask a couple of our personal workers to make their way to the altar. I'm going to join in the altar tonight myself, and I'm going to be down here in the front. And if we can help you or meet you or greet you down here tonight, uh, while we wait, you come. Let's all stand tonight, if you would. Father, have your way in the invitation. And Lord, I pray that you would do what needs to be done. Spirit of God, I pray that you're working hearts. And Heavenly Father, help us to know as one of these days when we stand before the Lord of Lords, Father, help us to know that our life is in accordance to the will of God. God, may our motives be pure. May our life be holy. God, may we live a, a real Christian life and not be fake. May we not have that false wall put up. God, I pray we'd be genuine Christians. Father, have your way in this invitation. Speak to hearts, I pray, Lord, and we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Let's just keep our heads bowed for a moment. And if you need to come right now, just go ahead and make your way down. And we've got somebody down here with a Bible, and we would love to, to meet you down here and help you pray. You come while we wait.